Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. successful why is tony khan running his promotion better than vince mcmahon and bruce pritchard are running monday night and friday night long term booking guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 405 for your saturday january 22nd 2022 i am jd from new york and behind me is the ots venue thank you guys for joining me on youtube on this saturday wherever you may be and shout out to my audio family as well on Podbean, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and Blue Wire Pods, as we are now a new member of the Blue Wire Podcast family. We got a lot to go over today, man. I saved some of these stories that I'm about to go over with you today, specifically for today. We're going to talk about the Bully Ray John Moxley situation. Not really much to really go into detail. A lot of people were actually... Not aware of what Bully Ray on Busted Open Radio said about John Moxley. 
And it was not good, man. It was not good because after the comments of Bully Ray, the entire wrestling world pretty much came to the defense of John Moxley after his appearance on Wednesday's Dynamite, including his own wife, Renee Paquette. So we will go over exactly what Bully Ray had said. We'll get you and everybody listening today, you guys' opinions on this. And we will uh, discuss that in this very episode of Off the Script. Also, Leo Rush is no longer with AEW. Well, he's still with AEW, but he won't be featured on AEW. But this coming February, Leo Rush will be a free agent. We will talk about what happened there and why he is already a free agent coming out of AEW. My question is, as it pertains to Leo Rush, how many more bridges in the pro wrestling landscape will Leo Rush burn in 2022? That's my question for Mr. Rush. Also, NXT 2.0, we all know it's a failure. We all know it is a complete and utter failure. We all know Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon removed Triple H from power. But you would think that they would be happy with their own vision, being that they demolished everything Triple H did. No, 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 no! Not according to sources in WWE. Apparently, everybody in WWE is disappointed with NXT. So we will go over that and everything else to round out your wrestling weekend right here on Off The Script. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206, that's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. It turns blue. I know you guys like the color blue, man. It turns blue. Hit that thumbs up. I need, and I would love if you guys can help me get there. I need a 1,000 likes minimum on today's Off the Script for this Saturday. Go get your t-shirts. Bonfire is the exclusive home of Off the Script. I may have some coupon codes coming very soon for everybody on Bonfire, so make sure you guys go and check that out. Get all the latest merchandise via Bonfire. The only place to get Off the Script merchandise is on Bonfire.com. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. Make sure you guys... Go check out Audible. If you guys like some free shit, Audible's the place, man. 30 days free of their service to navigate and do as you please. Plus, they're going to give you one free audiobook on me. You guys are going to get one free audiobook of your choice. And there are over 200,000 choices to choose from on Audible, a lot of which are wrestling related. So make sure you guys take advantage of that deal. That is audibletrial.com slash scripts. I want to thank them once again for being a part of the OTS family and sponsoring today's episode 405 of Off the Scripts. Let's get into the top of the news here, man. Start off with the most recent thing that I heard this morning. Leo Rush, AEW star Leo Rush, will become a free agent next month. Former WWE and current AEW star Leo Rush announced on social media that he will be a free agent next month. Rush uh, and his AEW contract is said to expire on February 14th, 2022. 
And anyone looking to book him can email him at leorushnow at gmail.com. There have been questions about Rush's status in AEW in recent weeks because he has not been seen on Dynamite. He has not been seen in the storyline that they had put him in with Team Taz and Dante Martin. Dante Martin is once again back with Matt Seidel. So Leo Rush has not been seen in anything regarding those men on any form of AEW television. Dynamite Rampage, any of the YouTube shows on Dark, nothing. Seemingly, the storyline with Dante Martin has been dropped. Rush recently lashed out and demanded a apology from Tony Khan over the situation with Big Swole. Rush later said that things were smooth over with Tony Khan. It is unclear if that had something to do with his exit. Unclear. The sources say unclear. The reports say unclear. I don't know what's so unclear about it. Why isn't Leo Rush on television? Because he did what he did on social media to his boss. You know, the guy that's signing his paychecks, Tony Khan. But it's unclear whether the, whether or not that had something to do with his exit or if there are other issues at play. Rush has also been under a deal with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Rush is scheduled to compete in the Brass Ring Ladder Match this Sunday at the Hammerstein Ballroom for GCW when they invade New York City live on pay-per-view. You know, I know I'm not alone in this Leo Rush camp. I'm not alone on this ship. Leo Rush is an amazing talent. I think everybody listening to me, everybody that hates me, would think Leo Rush is an amazing talent, man. He is phenomenal at what he does. He's young, and I was very excited to see where he would go, what he would do, and the great matches that could have been with a lot of different people on AEW television, man. I would have slotted Leo Rush right into that TNT title situation. A lot of matches that I would have loved to see in AEW. The thing is, this is not the first time for Leo Rush... And him burning a bridge in the world of professional wrestling. He had problems back in WWE. He lashed out at people who claimed that, you know, we're, we're giving him a hard time. They're carrying bags and, you know, they weren't treating him fairly. He had to work his way up. And then there was a contract deal. He wasn't pleased with the money he was making. There always seems to be something with Leo Rush, no matter where he goes. I believe he worked with MLW. He came back. He signed with New Japan. I don't know what he did with New Japan. Then all of a sudden, we see Leo Rush come out on AEW television. I believe it was at Double or Nothing last year. And everybody was uh, pleased to see him in the Battle Royal. He didn't really last a long time in the Battle Royal. But Leo Rush and AEW, it, it piqued my interest because I was very high on him before he joined AEW. And when I seen him physically on AEW television, I said to myself, that is a good pickup. For AEW. Then he got hurt. He got hurt in that battle royal. He was out for a couple of months. He said he was going to retire. He played it up as some big deal as if people fucking care about what Leo Rush is doing. He retired and then he came back. Then he was on AEW television again. He was placed with Dante Martin because Dante Martin is without his brother Darius. Top Flight hasn't been a thing for a very long time. Dante has been lighting up AEW television with Matt Seidel and 
whatever Tony Khan has given him to do. So Leo Rush walked into a program with Dante Martin, who is very well received. And a lot of people like Dante Martin. So he, he got he slid, he slid in. He was slotted into a role that was pretty decent for himself. More so than a lot of other people. You see, you see somebody like Jay Lethal. They, they aren't really doing much of anything on AEW television. Leo Rush came in and he was placed in a decent program that was getting a sufficient amount of TV time. And then the big swole thing happened. And then he went on social media and he was going off on New Year's Eve into New Year's Day about Tony Khan. Apologize, Tony Khan. You need to apologize. I can't stand for this. This is ridiculous. Or whatever he was going on about on social media. And that's the last we've heard of him. That is the last we heard of him. Jesse and I went live for the big swole discussion The day after it happened, literally while we were live, Leo Rush gave an apology and said everything was smoothed over with Tony Khan, that him and Tony Khan talked, and that he was very happy to hear from Kenny Omega and Tony Khan about AEW going to continue the diverse environment and give opportunities to everybody and yada, yada, yada. He said everything was smooth over. Clearly, it has not been smooth over. If it was smooth over, then Tony Khan would use Leo Rush in a meaningful way. And it's not going to be the case. This is what happens when somebody's ego and somebody's mental state, which clearly in this case, Leo Rush is not right. This is a recurring theme. It is now becoming a little bit more apparent that maybe it's not the fucking company, but it's the people that think that they deserve all these things and everything that comes along with it because of who they apparently think they are. Maybe it's a situation where we shouldn't be blaming the company, but we should be blaming the talent for their fucking self-righteous, self-deserving ego. I don't really blame Tony Khan for not really being interested in Leo Rush. If I'm Tony Khan or if I'm any wrestling promoter, to be quite honest with you, I'm looking at all of the chronological order in what Leo Rush has done the last two or three years, and I'm not touching him with a fucking 500-foot pole. I'm not touching him at all. It's great that he's such a great professional wrestler. He's an amazing talent, athletic, exciting, He can make the crowd pop like that. But is it worth the headache? It seems everywhere he goes, he's nothing more than a headache. My only question is, who wants to bring him in? Clearly, Leo Rush is going to be working GCW this weekend. It's not going to be very difficult for him to find work. Pro wrestling companies would love a guy like Leo Rush on their roster. But is it worth it? He might not be suitable for the big time. He might not be suitable for a WWE. This is WWE and AEW right now that have pretty much given up on him. And it wasn't the company's fault. It was all his own doing. This is what you get when you publicly blast your boss on social media in a discussion that had nothing to do with you in the moment. It was about Swole, TK, and what TK said about Swole. You obviously wanted to make this and bring attention to yourself. 
instead of talking to Tony Khan behind the doors, if he just took the moment in that time where he blasted Tony Khan, and before he sent that tweet, if he said, you know what, maybe I should talk to TK behind closed doors and really pick his brain on this. I want to be here. I want to help out. I want to help him do the right thing here. If he did that, and I'm not I'm not saying Tony Khan is innocent either because Tony Khan should have talked to Big Swole behind the scenes and whatever was said on social media shouldn't have been said. Everybody should have sat down and privately discussed all this, but everybody wants to get trigger happy on Twitter. Everybody wants to get tr- trigger happy on Twitter, and that's why Leo Rush is not with AEW. Now, he didn't sign a long deal. I can't imagine Leo Rush signing a two, three-year deal with AEW. This was a very short deal, six months to a year maximum here for Leo Rush. And this is what Tony Khan is doing. He's bringing in talent, and if he likes them, and they perform, and they make him money, and they are well-behaved, and they uh, prove that they belong to be in AEW, then Tony Khan will reevaluate when the contract is over. Tony Khan is not giving everybody a three-, four-, five-year deal. It, it, it wouldn't be good business. They'd be out of business if that was the case. Everybody's claiming, ah, Tony Khan's bringing in a boatload of talent. He's going to sink the ship with the bloated roster and this and that. He's signing guys like Leo Rush. He's signing people to the company. He's not giving away X amount of money. He's not giving away boatloads of money. He's not giving out mega deals and long-term contracts. Why would he do that? So for everybody that's on the roster that you think is making their roster more bloated, a Tony Nese or guys like that, right? Uh, Jake Atlas, they probably got the same deal as a Leo Rush. They have to perform. And if they are performing well-behaved and they prove that they belong there and they make Tony Khan some money and they they generate some, some business for AEW and Tony Khan sees that, then Tony Khan will reevaluate in the end. The, the great thing about AEW is Tony Khan is giving people opportunities to maybe stay with the company and make themselves something in his family. And that's a great thing. You're not getting that anywhere else to this extent in the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, it may be bloated, but Tony Khan, I think, has managed his roster pretty decently up until this point. Is it a, is it a concern of mine? Absolutely, it is a concern of mine. Because I, I, I've been thinking about this quite often the last couple of months, to be quite honest with you. And there is a shitload of talent that I know he's going to be interested in. Ember Moon, Tony Storm, Tegan Knox, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Wyndham Rotunda. There's a ton of talent out there. So what's going to happen with that? But not everybody is getting a mega deal. Not everybody's getting a Young Bucks-like deal. Leo Rush got a one-year contract. Minimum. Maximum. That's it. That's all he got. He proved that he didn't want to be there. He proved that he was a problem. He proved that he wasn't all elite. And now Tony Khan's not renewing his contract. That's the way things work around here. My question is, how many more bridges is Leo Rush going to burn? That's the problem. How many more bridges is Leo Rush going to burn? By the looks of it, there'll be no more bridges for him to burn, and he won't be in the business anymore. All I know is, I was excited, and what he did to Tony Khan on Twitter, the self-righteous fucking, uh, woe is me, you know, look at me type of attitude that he gave on social media, you know, want to fucking interject and be the star of the show, and the way he conducted himself to his boss, it really soured me on Leo Rush moving forward. If I was a wrestling promoter, I would not be looking at Leo Rush in any way, 
uh, to wrestle for my promotion. He's nothing more than a headache, and I think he needs to self-evaluate himself and get himself right before he really gives himself to a wrestling promotion because right now Leo Rush is uh, on the verge, in my honest opinion, of self-destruction. He ruined what could have been a star-making moment for himself, and to me, he looks like a blithering idiot. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Speaking of blithering idiots, Bully Ray. Bully Ray says John Moxley should have apologized to the fans on Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. He said this on Busted Open Radio on Thursday. I quote, I did enjoy that they started off with Moxley. They came out with a bang. People were ready for it. And Moxley said what he needed to say. However, I would have liked to have heard just a little bit of accountability from John. Accountability for what? What the fuck does John Moxley owe any of us? So right then and there, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little side-eyed from this guy's comment. I understand the whole demons thing, and we always use the word demons as a creative word to get around the real issues, whether it's alcohol issues, whether it's drug issues. In Tommy Dreamer's case, it's an eating issue. Everybody has some kind of demon that they have to get around. We have our demons. These demons got the best of John for a period of time where he had to step away from AEW. I would have liked to have heard him say a bit of an apology to the AEW fans. You don't have to apologize to the boys, even though the boys do count on you, but any one of those guys and gals could have had the same problems that you did. And trust me, I came up in an era where a slew of men and women had their own demons. The fans expect a little bit more from you. What about the fans that bought tickets to see AEW and John Moxley while John was away taking care of his problems and very happy that he left and took care of his problems? And he looked incredibly healthy on Wednesday. And I love everything that he said. I just would have loved to have heard a little bit of accountability. I don't know if I'm sorry is necessarily the right word, but maybe endear yourself a little bit to the crowd if you felt you let them down. This is coming from me, the hard ass of all hard asses. Personally, if it was me in the same situation, the first thing I would have said is, guys, I'm sorry if I let you down. I think that would have been the proper thing to do. End quote. 
Bully said he thinks John gave the fans what they wanted, but he could have exposed his hearts a little bit more to them before moving on to his speech. LaGreca said he only needed to apologize to his friends and family, and he doesn't owe anything to anyone else. It seems like Dave LaGreca is the smartest guy on that fucking show. Bully made it clear that he doesn't think Moxley owed an apology, but he would have liked to see him give one last night. That's just Bully Ray backtracking because at that moment, he knew he had fucked up. As soon as LaGreca told him his opinion of it, which was short and sweet, Bully at that point backtracked and he knew he had fucked up. But what he said is he wanted to see Moxley give an apology. No matter how you spin it, it doesn't sound good. And whoever heard it is not going to be pleased with what he said. Listen. A lot of people wanted my opinion on this. I'm not going to harp on this for too long. Uh, Bully Ray is a complete fucking idiot, number one. Everybody has their opinions. Everybody has their stance on the world of professional wrestling. And I said this on Friday Night SmackDown in my post show last night. It seems like these people don't really believe the bullshit that they are spewing themselves. It, It seems more like people like Bully Ray, people like Eric Bischoff, people like Jim Cornette, people like Disco Inferno... They say shit, and I get really picked on for doing the same thing, but I don't. I don't. I may over-embellish, I may rant, I may rave, I I, I may raise my voice, I may use an F-bomb more than any other fucking podcaster in the community. But the thing is, everything that I say is coming from my heart. All I've ever wanted and all I always tell you guys is that I want a better product. That's why I do what I do. That's why I take the stances that I, that I take and, and why I say the shit that I do. I want a better show. I don't say things for clicks. I don't say things for likes. I don't say things for social media follows and views and all that shit. I, I don't do it. I want a better fucking show. And I think everybody watching me knows the passion as a pro wrestling fan is there. But I'm very disheartened and disenfranchised or disheartened and disenfranchised by Everything that is going on in the world of professional wrestling right now, none of it, especially on WWE side, is very exciting. AEW has breathed new life into professional wrestling where it was monopolized greatly. AEW has come and shown everybody that professional wrestling is still a very exciting aspect to many of our lives. Bully Ray and all these other guys that I mentioned, they say shit that I don't necessarily think they believe, but they say shit because they want The reaction, just like this. I'm talking about it again after I talked about it briefly last night. They say shit to stir the pot. They might not necessarily believe their own bullshit. But he makes himself look like an idiot. And he ruins his integrity. And people, uh, you know, that, that have respect for him. They don't really have respect for him after the shit that he says. Especially like this. With John Moxley, Jonathan Good, who is such a beloved man in the community. Somebody that people look to influence and find as an inspiration. He says shit about the one guy that you really shouldn't be talking about in this moment. And it generated reaction, not only for Bully Ray, but for Busted Open Radio. Now you're going to listen to what he has to say next week on Busted Open Radio, and he's going to generate a big audience for himself because he stirred the pot a little bit too much. He turned the heat up just a little bit too much. But Bully Ray doesn't really strike me as the guy that uh, would shy away from heat. He loves the heat. He loves the heat. But he's an idiot for doing so. John Moxley owes nobody 
a fucking apology. What, what is he? What is he exactly apologizing for? The fact that he went away. The fact that he went away. The only fucking person that he has to apologize to is his family. I'm sure he apologized to his wife. Surely, I'm sure he apologized to his friends and the rest of his family. I'm sure he apologized to Tony Khan. Tony Khan gave us his blessing and gave Moxley his blessing. Everything is going to be all right. They updated us on Moxley. Everything was fine. Moxley owes us nothing. He doesn't owe me an apology. I would never look at him directly in the face. Ah, you know what, man? You know, I don't like the way you went out. I don't like the way you handled your business. I don't like the way that you went to your family and were at your weakest state and admitted that you needed help and that you were going to rehab to fix yourself and get yourself better, not only for yourself, for your family. I can't, I can't really sit here and uh, accept that, man. You owe me an apology. You fucking serious? How can anyone look at this man and demand a fucking apology? If you're a fan looking at John Moxley, how can you demand an apology? When I first heard this story, I thought Bully Ray was asking John Moxley for an apology because he fucking said, fuck you to that guy, that heckler in the crowd, and had him kicked out, which I love AEW. Not blurting it out, not bleeping it out. They bleeped it out on the, on the replay, but live, they let it fly. And that guy hopefully was kicked out. And if I was John Moxley, I would have gave that guy the same fucking reaction. So good on him. Good on him. That's a real-life situation. That's a real-life troll. Get him the fuck out. But John Moxley owes nobody an apology for anything that he's done. You're asking for an apology from a guy who came out on live fucking television to admit to everybody and open up, no matter how much he opened up, is irrelevant. He doesn't owe us anything about what he's gone through or what he's feeling. Whatever he gave us, we should respect in the end. Whatever he gave us, the amount of of, of emotion he opened up to us, we should be grateful that he did that. John Moxley's the type of guy that wants you to know just a little bit, but at the same time wants to conduct business. John Moxley's not going to go in the ring and fucking cry and and create this fucking sob story for everybody to feel sorry for himself. He's got a character to uphold. I don't think that would really be uh, very well for the John Moxley character. He gave us what he gave us while maintaining the integrity of business and himself and what we are getting from John Moxley. If you don't find respect in that, I don't know what the fuck your problem is. This man went on live television and told the fucking world watching him in that moment that it's okay to feel weak. Never feel like you are wrong for seeking help and asking for help and feeling weak. Shed that and show the world who you are, that your faults are not to be looked at as wrong. They make you who you are. And when you go in and inevitably fix them, you become a stronger person. But never, never hide away the person that you truly are because it's only going to make you a better person in the end when you overcome it all. Why would anybody ever ask this man for an apology? Bully Ray made himself look like a blithering idiot. If you don't listen to Busted Open Radio anymore after that, I would not be shocked. 
I would not be shocked. That is a terrible, terrible take. Absolutely atrocious. This man is an inspiration and an influence to many fucking How many people watching that fucking show on Wednesday night is going through right now the same thing that Moxley went through and looked at him and decided in that moment, you know what? I'm going to be like John. I'm going to be like John Moxley. I'm going to beat this fucking thing. I'm going to, and, and took a look at him. I'm going to, I'm going to beat this thing and I'm going to look as good as he did, man. Moxley looked to be the best shape of his life. He shed about 20 fucking pounds. He looks a lot younger. Yes. No, but he owes us an apology. He owes us an apology. How many fucking people did that man help with the words he spoke on Wednesday night? But we, we should get an apology from John Moxley. Bully Ray is a complete fucking idiot. He owes everybody listening to Busted Open a fucking apology. AEW Dynamite. This past Wednesday night, topped 1 million viewers. They beat Monday Night Raw in the key demo 18 to 49. Dynamite did a 1.032 million viewership. That is up from the 969,000 viewers. The show previously drew last week in the 18 to 49 demo. The show did a 0.44 rating, which is up from the 0.39 rating. The show did last week. Dynamite beat Monday Night Raw in the key demo. Raw did a 0.43. And they were up against some stiff competition with the NFL playoff game on ABC and ESPN that did over 23 million viewers. Dynamite had the highest key demo for themselves since September 29th, and it's the highest total viewership since October 6th. Dynamite was ranked number one on the cable top 150 shows for the night, up from number three, and that was last week's ranking. There you go. Nothing really much to be said. I thought Dynamite was a very good show. It flowed well from top to bottom. Hour one was clearly better than hour two, but uh, I thought it was a very good show, deserving of the one million and the number one spot on cable, and they beat Monday Night Raw in the demo. I have people on social media crying to Meltzer, crying to Alvarez, crying to me about AEW, yada, yada, yada. They're still using the fucking Monday Night Football excuse. Oh, well, Monday Night Raw went up against... The uh, 23 million plus that watched the uh, Monday Night Football playoff game. Monday Night Raw drew a 1.61 in the rating. On a normal Monday Night Football regular season game, Monday Night Football usually draws anywhere between 10, 11, uh, 10, 11 million to uh, what, 14, 15 million, depending on the teams that are playing on Monday night. If it's a big market team, you may get 15, 16 million. Uh, if it's a small market team or a team that nobody gives a shit about, maybe 10, 11 million, right? Monday Night Raw held steady with the rating that they usually get on Monday Night Football this past Monday with 23 million viewers. The rating realistically should have been a one fucking three, if you really want to be honest with yourselves, but you guys maintain the rating with the one six. So where is the excuse that, oh, it's Monday Night Football? I'm sorry. Monday Night Raw generated the same fucking rating with a much higher rating for the Monday Night game, being that it was a football game. So where are the excuses coming from? How are you using the Monday Night Football excuse 28 years later? I don't get it. Do none of you realize that the show has declined, not only in quality, open your fucking eyes, but the viewership and the people that are no longer watching have gone on and found something else. Go 
and look at the Monday Night Raw rating from 10 years ago and track 10 years ago to where we are now. Where did all those people go? Oh, no, but Monday Night Football. Oh, no, but the MLB, MLB uh, World Series of Playoff Games. Oh, NBA. Oh, my God, the Westminster Dog Show. Oh, the, 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 oh, the Winter Olympics. Give me a fucking break. Stop using excuses. Have you watched Raw? Have you watched Raw? It is a dumpster fire. Every week. There's nothing good about it. Nothing. You're lucky you got a 1-6 on Monday. I was hoping for a 1-2. Take your L and shut the fuck up. All you e-drone geeks. Take the L and shut your mouth. Love it. Warner Media. They're not happy with WWE taking a shot at AEW. They believed that the attack was meant to hurt ad sales. I'm not surprised by this whatsoever. The statement was issued by WWE to the Toronto uh, Star. I was going to say Toronto Sun, Toronto Star, last weekend reportedly. And this upset people at Warner Media. WWE used the terms gory and self-mutilation directly from Vince McMahon's vocabulary book. I would not be surprised if Vince McMahon uh, gave the statement himself. The WWE statement reads as follows. If you look at the gory self-mutilation that bloodied several women in the December 31st event on TNT, it quickly becomes clear that these are very different businesses. We had an edgier product in the Attitude Era, and in 2022, we don't believe that type of dangerous and brutal display is appealing to network partners, sponsors, venues, children, or the general public as a whole. Yet they just had Sami Zayn electrocuted on live television, but there's no self-mutilation in WWE, right? Give me a fucking break. The statement mirrors what they've said before about their competition, most notably in 1996 about WCW when it was owned by Ted Turner. This is a tactic, and Dave Meltzer noted in The Observer that the people over at Warner Media saw this as an attempt and a personal attack against the company in an attempt to hurt their advertisement sales. AEW ad sales are important to TBS and TNT and will be a factor in the contract renewal talks when they come up in 2024. It was noted that if there is anything on AEW that they don't like, then it won't get approved because AEW clears anything that may be controversial beforehand. Ironically, WWE's criticisms of AEW about self-mutilation, blading or bloodiness and all that type of stuff should also apply to themselves because there have been multiple instances of blading or hardware blood on WWE television in recent years. And we talked about this, Shayna Baszler biting Becky Lynch's neck, pretending she was a fucking vampire in Castlevania. We had the Becky Lynch situation where her face got broken by Nia Jax and WWE glorified the picture of Becky Lynch with blood dripping down her fucking face and her nose crooked live on television, glorifying that, right? Then they do a whole storyline about... Rey Mysterio and his eyeball being plucked out by Seth Rollins. They made the match an eye for an eye match. Eyeballs were on the line in this match. Then Brock Lesnar, when was it? 2011, 2012, I don't remember the year. Then Brock Lesnar, then WWE Vince McMahon order Brock Lesnar to go out there and hard way concuss and bloody Randy Orton in the main event of SummerSlam. Now, but WWE's not gory. Or self-mutilation, right? Give me a fucking break. 
Now, I showed this story that Vince McMahon in 1995 and 1996, this is coming from Meltzer, did the same exact quote on WCW. That's the playbook that they use. The same terms, that's the playbook. That's the thing that, you know, again, the game, that's how it's played. The game is about the advertisers because the one thing is that they failed to kill AEW. The idea was that they would use NXT to kill AEW. That failed when they got the new contract. They failed to kill them because even with a new contract, the idea was to drive their ratings down. That didn't happen either. The idea was when they came to their big markets like New York for the first time to jump on top of them and run shows and kill them that way. They come to New York and they don't draw because we're going to run a giant show right before them. That's the old playbook that wrestling has done since, I'm sure, since the beginning of time, Meltzer says. They did every playbook thing that you could do from old-time wrestling, and every one of them failed against AEW. They did not stop them in New York. So my idea now, or the idea is, they're probably not going to be able to drive their ratings low enough to where Warner Media just by ratings, is going to be like, these ratings aren't just good enough anymore. I think that they thought, okay, this AEW thing is just beginner's luck. That's what they all thought, beginner's luck. You know, the fresh new thing, the new kid on the block. In year three, it's not beginner's luck. After six months, it's not beginner's luck. The one thing to negate the ratings and make the ratings almost worthless is if you can make them something Uh, and have the advertisers run from that company, that is the one that that I certainly can come up with. And it's the one thing from their playbook that they are coming up with. Everyone knows why they said it, because it's the same thing that they said 27 years ago. No, but I I was uh, under the impression that AEW was not competition to WWE. Here they are, every, every twist and turn, they're trying to personally attack them through advertising sales. These are the same people. You do realize that when you see someone like Andrew Zarian, excuse me, someone like Andrew Zarian on Twitter post the Fast Nationals for SmackDown and Rampage. Who gives a shit about the fucking Fast Nationals for two wrestling shows at two different time slots on Friday night? You know, you do have to pay for the Fast Nationals. Who's paying for that? WWE's paying for that. WWE's paying for that, and then they're leaking it to people on social media because they want you to be aware that SmackDown completely destroyed AEW Rampage on Friday night. But when Rampage has a great rating, and they're number two or number three in the top 150 cable ratings for uh, for Friday night, or when they do 700, 800,000 viewers uh, on a random Friday, Fast Nationals aren't leaked. You know when the Fast Nationals are leaked? When Rampage does 400, 500, 550. That's when they release the Fast Nationals. Always to make AEW look bad. WWE is pathetic. Instead of worrying about taking out AEW or killing AEW or taking advertising sales away from AEW, why don't you make your product better? Maybe people would actually respect you a little bit more. Because what I'm watching on TV is the worst television that you've ever produced. And I've been watching you since the early, early, early days of my childhood, man. Since I was four years old. That's uh, 1986. 1986 I've been with you. And this is the absolute worst I have ever seen the WWE product. If that's something that you're happy about, great. The show sucks. 
Instead of worrying about what AEW is doing and killing their advertising sales, why don't you worry about your own fucking show and making the fan base that you have right now that's dwindling week by week, why don't you make a better show and produce better shows to make the rest of us that are still watching happy? There's a fucking concept for you. WWE is said to be disappointed with NXT 2.0. No shit. No shit. Wrestle votes on Twitter. They've had a pretty decent track record on social media. Breaking certain stories is reporting that internally WWE is said to be disappointed with the first four months of NXT 2.0. Now, uh, there was something that was going on Twitter, something going on between Wrestle Votes and Road Dog, apparently. And I, I don't know what was going on there. I, I don't know what Road Dog was going on about, but this is how it all started. Wrestle Votes tweeted out yesterday that WWE is disappointed with the first four months of NXT 2.0. The feeling, according to a source, they say, is that they thought more fans would gravitate towards the new stars quicker than they have. At this point, it's not expected that there will be changes to the concept. However, if things don't change, history shows that Vince McMahon likes to make big changes to storylines and personnel so it would not be a shock to see something happen to the product if ratings do not improve, end quote. In recent weeks, WWE has sent AJ Styles and Matt Riddle to NXT in an attempt to boost ratings. There have been slight increases, but nothing that they can boast about, and their numbers are still below what they were doing when they were up against AEW Dynamite. They were doing 700, 800,000 viewers against Dynamite. It was pretty much neck and neck most weeks. You know, Dynamite won most of the weeks, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't a blow away by any stretch of the imagination on AEW side over NXT. It was always fairly close, you know, but the ratings now, I think the lowest we've seen NXT do while they were going up head to head with AEW was maybe 700, 750. They always hovered around there. Now, the norm for NXT is 550,000. That is the norm. For Tuesday night. They sent Matt Riddle down there. It did nothing. They sent AJ Styles down there. It did nothing. You are not going to get what you want out of NXT because of how you destroyed NXT. That's the fucking problem. Vince McMahon wanted to erase everything that Triple H did and deem it as not the right way. Vince McMahon wanted to erase everything that Triple H did. By the way, which Triple H was doing correctly... He wanted to erase everything that Triple H did because of his own vision. He thinks he knows what he has to do to create new stars. Now, I'm not saying NXT is not producing some future main event talent. Braun Breaker is great. Tony D'Angelo is great. Carmelo Hayes is great. And whoever else is down there. I don't really deem anybody else uh, a big wig down there. But those are the three names that obviously Grayson Waller, I guess you could put in there. They stick out. Those guys stick out. And those are the guys that they've been building around. Von Wagner's another one. You know, Von Wagner is a uh, big uh, a big proponent to Vince McMahon. He's uh, very high on Von Wagner as Vince and WWE management. They killed the brand so much and deviated away from the original concept. They killed all the heart. They killed all the soul. They fired everybody that made NXT what it was and so popular. I, I, you know, I'm not blaming it all 
The pandemic obviously had to do something with uh, killing NXT as well. But, you know, you can't kill the brand entirely uh, without Vince McMahon. He advocated for everything to change. The entire concept, the entire look, the entire feel, the entire heart and soul is gone. Nothing remains of what we remember. If they wanted to stick with what Triple H brought to the table, they could have very well done that, but they didn't. They wanted to punish him. They manipulated him out of power. He no longer has power. They fired everybody on his team. People that were working for Triple H, talent-wise, have now defected to AEW or have just got up and quit the company altogether because of the changes that were made in NXT. Coaches have left because they realized what was happening and they saw the writing on the wall. None of this happens without Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, and Bruce Prichard pushing forward. Nothing needed to change. Nothing. The show is not being watched because the show sucks. The show is not being watched because it's not working. The show is not being watched because you killed something that did not, in any way, shape, or form, need a change. Your mentality and your vision is not right with the current landscape of pro wrestling. You have 70, 60-year-old men running a fucking show that is trying to get younger. You have a 60-year-old Bruce and a 70-year-old Vince McMahon running a show that is meant to be for the 20, 30-year-old watcher, viewer, younger, younger kid, younger children watching WWE grow up. It's not happening. The demographic, the main demographic for NXT is 65 years plus. I don't know what's going on there, but clearly it's not working. Then you got people like Road Dog who say that it is working. It's fucking ridiculous. I, I don't really believe the, the, the mentality from these people. Brian James, Road Dog, Sweets at WrestleVotes. Do you have a source? WrestleVotes says yes. Then Brian James replies, I disagree with your take and their take, wherever you got this information from. Think about it from a logical business standpoint. They can do no wrong getting paid for content, developing, by the way, getting paid for content, which we don't know how much USA Network is paying for NXT. Those numbers were withheld from the quarterly conference calls the last year or so. Nobody knows how much USA is paying for NXT, and one has to believe with the ratings that have been a complete failure, if USA Network and NBC Universal is even going to want NXT on Tuesday night moving forward. So we don't know how much they're getting paid. Developing new characters while getting experience in the ring, every show wishes their ratings, which by the way mean nothing, were higher. It's working. Every show wishes their ratings were higher. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you were a part of the team on the old NXT with Triple H. Weren't they doing 1 million viewers plus when it was exclusive on the WWE Network? You gave people a reason to watch. Now you just turned NXT into the uh, Monday Night Raw fucking uh, sideshow. That's all it is. It's Monday Night Raw 2.0. It's main roster television with the NXT name behind it with colorful letters. That's all it is. Everybody wants their ratings to be higher. Yeah, yeah, they do. But you're not doing anything to aid that fucking problem. They killed everything. Why would the ratings be higher? 
And why would you expect the ratings to be high? You want the ratings to be higher, just like I want a fucking $3 million uh, mansion off the fucking water. Give me a break. You want your ratings to be higher. Maybe if you didn't kill your fucking show, then the ratings would be higher. Maybe if you didn't force Triple H to go against AEW, your ratings would be where you want them to be. It's working, he says. While I don't disagree with you, I can't possibly tweet everything that was told to me. As you were aware, I'm sure not everything is working. I'm the only one not working down there. LOL, says Roll Dog. You're getting individual people's feelings mixed up with business, my friend. It's working. Road Dog says it's working. Clearly, it's not working because they fired Road Dog, and if it was working, Road Dog would still be employed. So, what is Road Dog saying? It's working. I, I don't really understand it. Did he admit to wrestle votes without actually admitting that he needed to be fired because he was a part of the equation that wasn't working? It's working. What's working? If it was working, you'd still be there. You're not. Nobody that you worked with previously is still there, except for Shawn Michaels, which I'm even afraid of his position. You don't think Nick Khan would fire Shawn Michaels? They fire everybody else. Brian James is a complete idiot. It's not working. He says, don't mix up the feelings of the fans and business. People's feelings are getting mixed up with business, my friend. It's working. Maybe you should start listening to the fucking fans. That's number one. If you listen to the fucking fans and give them what they want, maybe we wouldn't be in this fucking predicament. The show is garbage. I'm not saying that all of it's garbage because there are people on that show that I actually quite like and I'm very excited about their future. But the fact that Vince McMahon and everything we've already documented time and time and time again clearly is the way it all happened. For this guy to say it's working, I don't know if he's just fucking stupid, if if he was under the influence of something, if he just got uh, no sleep the night before. It's not working. Clearly, he's not there. Maybe he's advocating that uh, he wants his job back. Maybe he's pretending to be nice on social media. Maybe he's throwing out the good graces there on social media because he wants his job back. I don't know. It's not working. It's not working. Andrew Zarian even chimed in on this. Let me, I'm doing this live right here. Live on, uh, on the stream here. Andrew Zarian tweeted out about the NXT stuff. He says he spoke to a source at NXT in WWE regarding the report by WrestleVotes, according to my source, a lot of the blame is being put on the abruptness of how everything was changed. Fan perception of the product isn't helping either, says Andrew Zarian of Matt Men Podcast. I mean, this is common knowledge. Are everybody in WWE mentally unstable? I don't get it. WWE management, they, they, they have to be the most retarded, mentally unstable individuals in the entire business. WWE management reeks of retardation if they don't understand what the fucking problem is here. There's nobody else to blame. Who is Vince and Bruce going to blame now? You fired everybody. 
The only people that you could blame now are you and Bruce. There's nobody left. Sooner or later, you're going to have to look yourself in the mirror and point the finger of blame at yourself. You did this. You caused this. You wanted this. Now it's not working, and now it's, now it's you're unhappy. Nobody saw that coming, I'm sure. If you don't know what the fucking problem is, man, maybe you are in the wrong line of work. Unfucking believable. Unbelievable. Every single week, I am mesmerized at the level of stupidity that I see regarding this brand and these stories coming out of NXT. Lita. Lita could be staying with WWE well after the Royal Rumble. Great. You want to know what's wrong with the women's division? Exhibit A. Lita returned to WWE television on January 14th in a SmackDown angle involving Charlotte Flair. She announced herself as a competitor in the Royal Rumble. It was Lita's first appearance on SmackDown in 20 years. Sounds like Lita will have one last run as a regular wrestler. She expressed her desire to have one final go in WWE. Dave Meltzer confirmed the possibility in the Observer Newsletter of uh, Lita staying a little bit longer. Amy Lita Dumas, 46 years old, was announced last week for the Royal Rumble and debuted on SmackDown on January 14th, doing an angle with Flair. She talked about coming in for one last run. It did come across like she's back as a regular for a short term as a wrestler and not just doing the Rumble and being gone like most of the women. The injury to Sasha Banks and quitting of Tony Storm did make them short baby-faced on SmackDown for Flair, especially since Naomi, the one right now being pushed at the top, is obviously building to a match with Sony Deville. I actually advocated last night on my, on my SmackDown review, I would actually want Naomi to win the Royal Rumble. It really should make sense to anybody watching. If Naomi doesn't win the Royal Rumble, what the fuck are we doing here? But what are we doing? Is there anybody on Monday Night Raw that you would love to see win the Royal Rumble? Bianca Belair, maybe. I don't really want Bianca Belair. If you're going to put a gun to my head and have me choose one or the other, I'm going with Naomi. Naomi over Bianca, for sure. I even pitched Sonya and Naomi the final two in the Royal Rumble. I don't think this match is taking place on fucking Friday night. It's advertised as a one-on-one match. I don't think it's taking place. Have them just end it in the Royal Rumble with Naomi getting the win over Sonya and eliminating Sonya and going on to WrestleMania the fuck are we doing here if she's not going to win the Royal Rumble? This entire storyline played out for what? With Charlotte Flair now involved. What are we doing? No, we're going to go to Alexa Bliss. No, we're going to go with Bianca Belair. If Naomi doesn't win the Rumble, if the women have a chamber in Saudi Arabia, Naomi should absolutely win the Elimination Chamber. I think Becky and Bianca more than likely will main event one of the nights at WrestleMania. I don't know what good that's going to do for anybody. I really don't. After what Bianca did to Sasha Banks last year, But if Naomi doesn't win the Royal Rumble, then if the women have a chamber, she should win the chamber, get the title match against Charlotte, and win the women's championship at WrestleMania. That is the end goal here. You've pretty much set yourself up for Naomi overcoming Sonya, getting the title match, and beating Charlotte Flair. You want to make new stars? There you go. Lita being back, it does nothing but expose WWE for the shortcomings and the fucking terrible creative in the women's division. They don't want to build new stars. They are afraid and hesitant to build new stars. They don't know how to book women's wrestling. Bringing back Lita is not going to help. 
For every leader you bring back, Aaliyah gets a shorter match. For every leader you bring back, then Shotzi Blackheart's not being used. For every leader you bring back, Zia Lee is going to get pushed back. You do realize this is a fucking terrible situation. This is a situation that WWE has been running around in circles with for years. They don't know what to do. Bringing back Hall of Famers like Lita and Michelle McCool and everybody else that you want to see back from the shitty era. Nobody wants to see that. We want to see new, fresh talent developed that will eventually take the spot of Charlotte, Sasha, Becky, Bailey. Now, but bringing Lita back, like I always say, WWE, how do they fix things? Throw money at it. That's how Vince McMahon fixes things. He throws money at it. Fucking ridiculous. WWE, speaking of ridiculous, refuses to grant Mustafa Ali his release from WWE. I don't know why. People were saying, well, they let Tony Storm go. No, they didn't. Tony Storm walked out. They were forced to let her go. She wasn't coming back. WWE did not grant Mustafa Ali his release. According to Fightful Select this week, WWE isn't planning on letting him go for the moment. Even though fans are getting the hashtag free Ali trending, some people on WWE on Fox's Twitter account claim that that Twitter account has been blocking people tweeting them the free Ali hashtag. Oh man, Ryan Satin must have a field day over there. Must be having a grand old time blocking everybody on the Fox WWE account. Per the report, the two sides have spoken and the company told him that they would not be granting his release. And uh, Ali does have a few years left on his contract and has not been used on television in over two months. It was said the term value was brought up a lot in the discussions between Ali and WWE. It's unclear as to why WWE won't grant the release as the company has released so many wrestlers, staff and employees since the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. During his hiatus, there was speculation he was out on paternity leave, but it was reported he only asked for one show off. As previously reported, Ali had a heated argument with Vince McMahon over creative direction, and he's now been back on WWE TV since then. WWE TV without Ali is ridiculous to me. WWE is right now in a situation on SmackDown where Ali could absolutely be, I don't want to say a game changer, but a much, much needed Help on that show. But he's not been on the show. We got four rematches on SmackDown last night. Please tell me how that is productive television. Please tell me how that's creative television, but somebody like Ali is not on the show. Look at that roster and tell me that you couldn't use Ali in some way, shape, or form in the mid-card on that show. This guy is creative. He wants to be there. He wants to work. Let him go. What is with the micro-fucking-managing? If this guy's got a fucking idea, let's get him on TV. Otherwise, why are we paying him? I don't get it. WWE, I said this to Fightful's original report. In my honest opinion, WWE's not going to use Ali. They're going to use this now as a punishment. Remember when Brody Lee asked for his release from WWE before he joined AEW? before he was announced as the leader of the Dark Order that following March, you do realize that Brody Lee asked for his release publicly on Twitter. Ali did the same thing. Brody Lee was denied his request for release. Ali was denied his request for release. WWE will keep this man off of television till about 
maybe close to when his contract expires. It could be a month. It could be uh, three weeks, two weeks, one week, a day. WWE is going to keep this guy on their roster with absolutely nothing to do until a day before his contract expires. Then they'll release him. Then he has to go into 90 days. He's got a couple of years. That's the pettiness of WWE. They got a couple of years left on the deal. They'll hold him and do nothing with him until a week or a day before his contract expires and then release him. And then he's got to sit home three months additionally because fuck you, Ali, says Bruce Pritchard and John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon. That's exactly what's going to happen here. I know it. If Ali gets pushed in a meaningful way on WWE television, I'd be shocked. Some people were thinking that this is all a work. Ali posted something along the lines of the Joker, Heath Ledger from The Dark Knight yesterday afternoon in the scene where he burns the money up. And he says, it's not about the money. It's about sending a message. Everything burns was the line Heath Ledger used in that movie, in that scene as he burned the big mountain pile of money. Is it a work? I don't think so. Could be. People are claiming that it is. I don't think it's a fucking work. He wants his message to be out there. He wants to be creative. WWE's not giving him the platform to do so. So why are you here? Why is he still employed? Don't you think you can find something else to do with the fucking pennies you're paying the guy? Then you got the East Shields. Oh, he's lucky he should have a job. Fuck Ali. He's disrespectful. He's not loyal. The guy hasn't been used. And when he has, he's been embarrassed. And his message has been shut down. Yes, yes. Thank you for telling me you're not a fan of Mustafa Ali. Then I got people I see on Twitter. Oh, if you were a fan of Ali, you would have supported him all through these years. Who said we didn't? Who said we didn't support Ali? Are you really blaming Ali? Are you really blaming us, the fans? Now, but Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon get a free buy, a free pass, right? This is all Vince and Bruce is doing. Don't turn it around and blame Ali or blame the fans for not supporting Ali. I don't know how anybody listens to shit podcasts like that. This is Bruce and Vince's fault. They don't want the guy to get over because he's too creative. If he got over on his own with something he created, then that means WWE creative looks bad. It's very simple. They want him to use whatever they come up with And if it fails, it's easy enough for them to blame him. If Ali did something on his own and got this gimmick over that he wants to do, right? Sending this message. If Ali came up with a gimmick on his own and it got over and it blew up, who are they going to blame? Who are they going to blame? They got to blame themselves. They won't. Ali would look like the good guy. They would look like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And WWE is never going to put themselves in a position like that. Ever. This guy will be wasted, and he will be released when WWE sees fit. Drew McIntyre. WWE and Drew McIntyre right now trying to work out when he's going to come back. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that McIntyre is hopeful he will be able to return for WrestleMania. He's doing rehab and decompression therapy on his neck. He's taking the John Cena approach. McIntyre's last match came at day one, so... We are continuing to update everybody on Drew McIntyre. The prognosis here, the diagnosis for return 
is he's insistent on making it back for WrestleMania. According to sources, McIntyre, this is an update from what I previously did this week. Neck injury out for uh, the time being. The approach right now is double sessions on the neck six days a week, and he is pretty insistent on making it back for WrestleMania. So that's what he's going to do. If he makes it back, he's going to have really nothing much going on for himself but getting his revenge on uh, Happy Corbin and Matt Cat Moss. Uh, hopefully he's all right. SmackDown and WWE could absolutely use him, no question. There was talk about making him the number one contender for Roman Reigns going on into WrestleMania before Lesnar and Reigns hooked up at the event itself. Uh, there was rumors that Drew McIntyre could possibly win the Royal Rumble. So his spot went to uh, Seth Rollins. Supposed to be McIntyre versus Reigns at the Royal Rumble. McIntyre's spot went to Seth Rollins, and now that is the Universal Championship match at WrestleMania. Speaking of SmackDown, finally, guys, in the final story of the night, SmackDown, before the Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia, will be a pre-taped show. Finally, somebody in WWE, after how many years now with this ongoing Saudi-WWE partnership, they had the fucking poor talent fly fly from Saudi Arabia on a Thursday all the way back to the United States to show up for TV that very next day at 8 p.m. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being one of the talent? I could never, I would never do such a thing. Why wasn't this thought of before? I'm sure it had to get approval from Fox. Fox is paying for live television. They don't want pre-taped shows. But I think twice a year out of 52 weeks is not that bad, including holidays. WWE also pre-tapes for the holidays as well, depending on when the holidays fall, what day the holidays fall on. SmackDown's being taped before the Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia. Meltzer writes, it's official that the top talent is going to be on the 218 SmackDown show. That talent will be taping SmackDown on that 218 show, they'll be taping that show on 211 in New Orleans. No matches have been announced. More teased for the show, but WWE is clearly taking care of their talent. So, uh, Saudi Arabia and the Elimination Chamber happening on Saturday. Nobody will be working Friday. They could get there on Wednesday or Thursday. Stay there, prep for the show. After the show is over, fly home Sunday. The ones that, uh, you know... The Monday Night Raw talent is going to be on the show. I mean, they got it a little bit worse because they got to fly back and then go right to the uh, city that they're going to. But at least they'll have time. They're not going straight from Saudi Arabia right to the TV taping the very next day. At least they have Sunday to fly and then go back on uh, on the road Monday. But this is a great thing. I don't know why this wasn't done beforehand. This would have saved a lot of headaches. I'm sure this was a Fox discussion with WWE, and I'm glad they came to a proper conclusion here. This should be the way going forward. Nobody should have to deal with that rigorous and brutal travel because WWE wants to hold pay-per-views over in Saudi Arabia two times a year, and it kind of clashes with SmackDown on Friday. No matter how you do it, these shows were taking place on Thursday. Now they're taking place on Saturday. Make sure the talent is taken care of first and foremost. Guys, I'm getting out of here. Thank you so very much for all your support. If you enjoyed this episode 405, please let me know down below. Hit that thumbs up. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. 1,000 likes is the minimum here on YouTube. Thank you guys very much. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. There is a ton of content waiting for you guys if you missed any of it. 
on the homepage right now. I will be back tomorrow with some uh, comedy comment uh, content. We got uh, comments, and we're going to be reading Reddit comments and the Reddit hate that apparently is uh, fuming over some of my takes, man. So we uh, visit Reddit. We visit the Square Circle Reddit, and we read some hateful comments in a uh, nice, chill, opening up a cold beverage type of day and reading through mean comments, man. It's very entertaining. So that is uh, on your way tomorrow afternoon. Other than that, I'll see you guys back live right here on Off The Script on Monday for Raw. Have a great weekend, and I will see you guys back for a brand new week next week and tomorrow with some more content right here on Off The Script. See you guys later.